0: Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, along with my producer extraordinaire, John Coleman. That is JC, ladies and gentlemen. And today we are diving deep into the world of loan officers. Super deep. Yeah, super deep. So for the most part, Mister Media Guy, you're cut out of this. Yes, yeah, thank you, please, because I have no idea what. But it's a good opportunity for me to learn something new. It's a good opportunity for you to learn. Um, but please, if I'm saying something that doesn't make sense, stop me. Absolutely. Ask me questions, okay? So I want to title this podcast, How Do You 1003? Do you even 1003, bro? Yeah. Do you even 1003? And a 1003, we all should know, is the Uniform Residential Loan Application or the ERLA. Okay. This is the four page document that we use to take down our client's information. That is what a 1003 is. 1003, 1003. Um, How do you know someone doesn't know your industry? Because they'll call it the 1003. Mm -hmm. They will call it anything but 1003. But 1003 is is the term that we use. It's the residential loan application. Um, And just a little FYI, the CFPB, and the FHFA have been threatening to change the Uniform Residential Loan Application. Is that a big deal? Eh, it's going to be a big deal once once they change it because you know you've been doing something for five years, ten years, some of us twenty or thirty years, and now all of a sudden that form looks and feels way different. It's more pages. It's um, it reads less like a tax form and more like a uh, fictional novel. Mm. Uh, but. Today's podcast, How Do You 1003, is literally getting down to basics, but also incorporating salesmanship or saleswomanship into the 1003. More and more, so many loan originators are relying on their website to collect information from the consumer. And for most loan officers, my advice would be stop. Like, think of yourself as a consumer, John. Like, yes, the website is easier, but if you spend 15 or 20 minutes inputting client, your, your data into my website, are you giving me an opportunity to get to know you as a person? No, it's just words on a page. Yeah. Are you giving me an opportunity to build trust with you? No. No. Are you giving me an opportunity to answer any questions you may have? No. No. So if you have a question and you're behind your screen, you just guess, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. So, and most loan officers are closing on average somewhere between three to five transactions a month. That means they're probably pre-approving somewhere around 15 to 18 borrowers. Uh, no, they're pre-approving less than that. They're talking to 15 to 18. They're probably only pre-approving, um, gosh, 10 to 15. Okay. okay. 10 or 15 when there's typically somewhere around 20 day, twenty work workdays in, 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 in a calendar, a monthly calendar, that loan officer needs to quit using their website as a crutch and get on the phone with their client. And what I wanna do is spend the next 20 minutes talking about why and how you would do that. Okay, so you're taking a loan application. We've just decided and agreed that I as a loan officer cannot build trust with you if I'm not having a conversation with you. The minute I push you to my website, I'm losing that ability. Well. We work in an industry that you can go to your left a mile and find a a competing lender. You can go to your right a mile, find a competing lender. You can go online and find dozens of competing lenders. So we're going to fall back on the old adage that people do business with with people they like, know, and trust. These are typically strangers. Most of us are working in what's called a translationship environment. Right, It starts off transactional and you want to turn it into a relationship. Well, when do you wanna start working on that relationship? Do you wanna wait? Or do you wanna start working on that, on that relationship from the, jump? from the jump? From the jump, right? So from the jump is typically at the time that you're taking someone's loan application. So already, if you are not closing 10 transactions a month, you should take every 1003 over the phone Unless, for whatever reason, your client is adamant that they don't want to do it that way, at which point you'll want to pivot. But when you're given the choice or the customer doesn't doesn't have a choice, meaning they, they don't care either way, you should take the 1003 or the loan application over the phone. Now, as loan officers, I don't want to bore you with how to take a loan application, but I will tell you this fill out every damn piece of information accurately. Okay. I, I can't say any more clear than that. For me, that sounds like common sense. Is that not something that happens? No. Time? So too many times a loan officer, which is a salesperson, wants to rush through it. They want to see how quickly they can get it done. So they'll ask you a question. Hey, John, where do you work? You'll say, I work at Waterstone mortgage. Mm-hmm. John, how long have you worked there? A couple months. Okay, cool, thanks. And they stop. Well, the loan application needs two year work history. Uh, and when you said a couple months. Well, is a couple two or is a couple four? Yeah. Right? Because you said a couple. To me, a couple means two. Yeah. I wrote down two. Mm-hmm. But I know that you started on January 7th. Yeah. So if I can do simple math, I know you've been here for four months. Yeah. Okay? So everything is pretty much tab, 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 right? Fill in the answer, tab to the next box. Fill in the answer, tab in the next box. But loan officers, where they truly fail and why their loans are a train wreck when they go into processing is because they didn't take the five or 10 minutes that it takes to ask all the proper questions, push for data integrity. Again, that's my only warning for that. We're gonna be done with with that. Just know if you wanna be really good at this job, in this career, take a solid, accurate, damn good 10.03. Okay. But take it over the phone because this is where your personality is going to show. This is where your professionalism is going to show. This is where your expertise and your experience is going to show, but it's more importantly where you're going to become likable. It's also where you're going to be able to build trust with somebody. Okay, so if I'm starting on page one of the 1003, well, page one of the 1003 is typically going to start with what is your name, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But you can start a conversation based on what someone's name is, Hmm. right? You tell me my name is John Coleman. You may even give me your middle name or your middle initial. Mm -hmm. I can stop right there and say, do you prefer to go by John? Yeah, John works. John works. Okay, and I ask everyone that because, look, my friends call me D.O., in fact, if you want to call me Dio, feel free to call me Dio. My legal name is Dustin O. My mom calls me Dustin. Uh, never call me Dusty. And, uh, but, but um, you know, feel free. And, and I just want to make sure that, that, you know, if, if you go by John, I call you John. If you prefer, prefer something else, I want to call you what you prefer. Okay. All right, cool. And then you're, you're starting to go through. You, you're asking them for their property address. Like, Hey, where do you currently live? Mm-hmm. Right. And then you're looking for commonalities. That's how you build trust with somebody is you find a commonality. If you see it's, a, it's an address that you're familiar with, there's a good chance that maybe you know someone in that neighborhood. It gives you some kind of a, of a common talking point. Um, you, you get through, hey, look, social date of birth. There's no really fun, easy, tricky way to ask for someone's social or their date of birth. But when you start getting down to talking about their years in school and their number of children so many loan officers skip over this and this is a great talking point this is a great way to 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 start to build rapport with with your client and look most of us can guess and give everyone 16 years in the in uh schooling but how hard is it to say hey john the government requires me to ask you how many years uh in school so do you you know is it a college degree is it a an aa associates do you have something larger Okay, regular. I think, yeah, four year degree. Four year degree. Oh, cool. Where'd you go? University of Tampa. Oh, wow. That's a private school, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did you play any sports there or? Professional party. Professional party. You know, it's funny. I ask everyone who went to the University of Tampa if they played sports because I only know people who found that school because they played they sports. They yep. Right. Yep. So, um, right. All I was doing there, guys and girls, was showing you how I would have used that question to get to know my borrower and, to, sh- and to, to allow my personality to shine through. Now, a lot, a lot of times we will skip over dependents. That's a question on the 1003. You have to know how many dependents. Well, with number of dependents, yes, there are some loan programs that it's probably not that important that you got it, that you got it accurate. Now it is important because it's a, it's a document that is, is, is regulated and you should be accurate, but there are some loan programs that dependents matter. Right? There's certain loan programs that household size goes into whether or not someone's eligible. There's certain loan programs that require you to have residual income. There's certain, so certain loan programs, it does matter. Um, And it also matters later down the road when you have to ask the person if they're obligated to pay alimony, child support or separate maintenance. If you see they have children and you see that they're not married, that's something that you should have a red flag going off in your head. Oh, wait a minute. I need to make sure I double back on that question and I ask it appropriately to make sure that this person doesn't have some kind of a child support that I'm gonna to need to add as a liability when I'm qualifying them. But what do people love talking about most? Those with children. Their children. Their children, <laughs> their children. And Sales 101 will teach you that the person that you are trying to build a relationship with, if you allow them to talk most and allow them to talk about themselves, they will leave that conversation liking you. Yeah. How crazy is that? Right? And for someone like me who talks too much, I need to learn to shut the F up <laughs> and let people talk. right? If, if, they, if I let them talk, they'll like me more. People love to talk about their kids. That is a question that if you were on my online application, I wouldn't have that opportunity. Right? I wouldn't have that opportunity to start building that, that rapport. And we can go all the way down the line. Right? We, we can now jump into talking about someone's employment, and someone's income. Right? And it's it when you're asking for their employment again, yes, you need to get all two years like we were talking about earlier. But you can ask some questions like, "Hey, what's your title there?" Oh, what does that do? And you may even stop and uh, let let your audience know, your audience that you're performing for is your prospective client, right? You're trying to build trust that so they use you and they don't go elsewhere. And but and you'll you'll tell them, "Look, this is just curiosity. This is not for your loan application. I'm just curious. What does a level four senior project manager do at Siemens? Mm. You know, How do you like that? How long have you been doing it for? Right? There's certain intel that you are getting because you need it for the loan application. You need to know how long they've been in their line of work. That's a question we have to ask. You need to know uh, how long they've worked for that employer. You don't need to know what exactly their, their job is, but if you ask them about it, there's a good chance they'll, they'll tell you about it. And there's a good chance that they'll leave liking you and trusting you more. Mm, makes sense. Yep. Everything goes for we have to know how much someone makes. Right? Hey, how much money do you make? They answer it. Mm. But there's a way you can ask it to have it feel less rigid mm. and and more conversational. And I would recommend that someone ask it, hey, how do they pay you over there? Mm. And what I mean by how do you pay you, are you salary? Are you hourly? Are you commission? Are you bonus? I don't expect my borrower to know my profession and my craft the way that I do. If they did, they wouldn't need me. Mm. So it, yes, it matters to me how much they make. But what matters more is how they're actually paid. Mm. So just asking someone, how much do you make? No. Yeah, I like asking, Hey, how do they compensate you? How do, how do they pay you? And let me throw out some some of the most basic examples. Are you W2? Are you 1099? Any part of your your money commission? And i may even stop and tell them, look, I'm asking all of these questions. Because ultimately, it's going to matter for how you qualify because the regulators will tell us, lenders and banks, how we have to calculate income for qualification. And then you start taking your notes, right? You wouldn't get that on an online application. So the same thing goes for assets. We need to know how much money are you going to be putting down? How much money do you have for closing costs? And yes, I could ask you, who do you do your banking with? Um, what do you have in checking? What do you have in savings? That's very robotic. That's, that's not a good way to keep it conversational, not a good way to, to, to build, to build a, a relationship with somebody. But if I asked you a question like, hey, John, how much do you and your wife have earmarked to go towards this transaction? And before you even answer that, I might say, and when I say earmarked, like you may have X amount of dollars, but you only want to use Y. And this is going to be for things like down payment and closing costs. Now, once you answer that now I can ask you, oh, cool, man. Where's that money currently sitting? Now, currently sitting, where do you have it? Is it in a checking account, in a 401k? Is it a gift? And then all I'm doing is keeping this conversational. Again, I wouldn't be able to do this if you were doing the form on online. Now, I'm going through the form. I'm filling out the information. I'm talking to you about your kids and how many years in school and where you went to school and what your kids' names are and and I'm getting their ages because I need their ages, but then with their ages, maybe I can share a story because my kids are the same age, or I remember when my kids were the same age, or I can't wait until my kids get to that age, right? Like, and I can even ask, oh, you know, what do your kids do? Are they still living with you? Oh no, they're in college. Oh, that's awesome. What school do they go to? I am again, building rapport. Same thing with the employer. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here and I was talking to a guy the other day who, um, he sells, um, jet skis for a living, right? And with the current shelter in place and us living in Florida, we have a ton of lakes, we have sun, we have great weather. He was sharing with me about how they are breaking records at his dealership selling watercraft. Now, because I was finding out about his business, and about what he does for a living, then that prompted me to tell a story. And all I'm trying to do is is find some kind of a commonality. I asked him if he knew one of my other clients who um, is actually a distributor for watercraft dealerships. And, um, yeah, and what I was also trying to do with, with that conversation was, um, a, a little bit name drop, right? A little bit, Hey, you know, here's another person who does what you do that. I also got to the privilege of helping, right? I was trying to build a bridge, create commonality. So we're finding about income, finding about employment, and but we're, we're getting deep and we're asking these questions and we're making connections and we're sharing stories, right? We should all be really good storytellers, because people remember when you tell them a story. Unfortunately, we can't put a loan application in song, right? Putting it in song is the number one, one way for someone to learn something. Um, but, but if we can tell a story, then, then by becoming good storytellers, we'll do a better job of, of, of creating trust. Um, so that's, that's all four pages of the 1003. Now, something else that I want you all to get out of this is there's something called the fifth page of the 1003. Now, a 1003 is typically only four pages. Unless your client has uh, a boatload of properties and page three, which is where you put the uh, section for real estate owned, has overflow, or what if your client has a boatload of liabilities and they need an extra page, typically a 1003 is four pages. But Casey Cunningham over at Zenix, which is one of the premier... Um, training academies for loan originators and mortgage professionals. Shout out to Casey and and her crew up in Atlanta. Um, She teaches classes on the fifth page of the 1003. So something we can do when we're on the phone that we couldn't do if someone was taking an application online or using my website, is finding out things, who's your HR manager? Who's your financial advisor? who's your CPA? Now, what if they don't have a CPA? What if they don't have a financial advisor? Oh, have you ever thought about using one? Have you ever thought about sitting down with a financial advisor? Because you know what my job is a loan officer? My job as a loan officer, if you listen to one of the previous episodes from, from a couple months ago, is to have people, right? I have a network. Well, a financial advisor and a, an a, and a, and a accountant, are decent referral sources. What's a good way to get someone to refer you, their clients? Refer you, you, your clients, right? Or refer them, your clients. Well, if I'm doing a good job of of taking page five of the 1003, I'm figuring out who their HR manager is because A, my processor is eventually gonna need to do some kind of employment verification. So I'm gonna need it. But if their employer is local and their employer has 25 plus associates, maybe I want to reach out to them. And I want to talk to them about developing an affinity relationship where I, as the loan officer can maybe come in quarterly and I can teach home buying lunch and learn to maybe I want to bring one of my realtor partners with me. But if I'm not having that conversation and I'm not taking down that information, how am I ever going to reach out to that employer to a introduce myself? And you know what? maybe I want to do some form of a quote-unquote employment verification up front for my pre-approval. Now, I'm doing this less to verify employment. I'm doing it more to introduce myself to the HR manager because maybe I want to build a relationship, because I want the HR manager to invite me in so that I can put on classes for the 25 or the 100 other associates. Maybe I want to work out some kind of a – uh, a discount, five hundred dollars off closing costs, for any associate of EA Sports that uh, finances their next home loan through Waterstone. Gotcha. Financial advisor, same thing. CPA, same thing. Like CPA is good to know because maybe I can take some of the burden off of my client, and instead of having them send me their their, especially if they're self-employed, their business tax returns and their personal. I just tell them, look, I, I don't mind reaching out to your CPA i reach out to your CPA, I'll introduce myself, I'm sure they'll need to, to verify some information with you, like get your permission, but I don't need you digging through your filing cabinet to find your tax returns, I'll get it direct, directly from your CPA. Because yeah. it gives me the opportunity to introduce me and my team to my CP, to their CPA. Yeah. And possibly build a relationship, right? And, and possibly be able to refer that CPA my clients when they need one, but more importantly, be a source of information or a resource for that CPA's other clients that may need mortgage services. Financial advisor works the same exact way. So that's taking page five of a 1003 that if it was online, you wouldn't be able to do that. So how do you 1003? The the goal of this podcast is to let you know and to share with you ideas. If you are not already closing 10 transactions a month, quit using your online app. Take them over the phone. Build rapport. Learn about your future client and let them learn something about you and let your personality shine through. Makes sense. Makes sense, right? Yeah. How do you 1003? That's how you 1003. If look, and, and the reason why I use the, the number 10 of in terms of because yeah. at some point you're gonna get to you're doing too many transactions to be able to take every single if, if you're closing 10 loans a month, that means you're receiving upwards of about 50 referrals to 60 referrals a month. You're sifting through those 50 to 60 referrals to try to pre-approve 20 to 25 a month while taking 10 loan applications and working 10 files through the system. And so you're going to get to a point where you may choose to spend 20 minutes on the phone or 30 minutes on the phone doing a buyer consultation because you can do that from your car. You can do that from the park. You can do that from your kids' uh, soccer practice. And after your consultation, you're like, hey, look, everything sounds great. Why don't you go to my website and go ahead and fill in the blanks for me? There is a second way of doing this, where you still do the consultation up front, you're basically running through in your head a 1003, but you're not physically typing stuff in. Yeah. But you're still asking them about their kids, their spouse, their credit, their employment history, how do they like that job, how long had they been doing it, how are they paid, um, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, we we work in a people business. right? It's a service industry, this is retail. And the way that you're going to separate yourself from the competition, is to build trust early, make yourself likable, allow your client to share information about themselves to you personally, so you become connected, at which point they become, they meaning your client, they become more engaged in your advice, more engaged in the way that you do business, and they feel less needing to seek second or third opinions because you've done a great job up front of showing that you're the professional, you're experienced, you're going to take great, great care of them. And more importantly, you're not going to screw them over. That's what people need to feel. I'm not going to get screwed over. I'm going to get great service. And at the end of the day, I'm going to close on time and I'm going to obtain the financing to my home that makes sense for me. That's it. That's how u 1003 I'm Dustin Owen. He's John Coleman. This is the Loan Officer Podcast. And we're out of here.